If your content marketing plan needs a little help, then you definitely want to listen to today's conversation with Kevin Mullet as he explains his help method of developing content. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, and this is your host, Lorraine Ball. And you know, I've been doing this a really long time. And every now and then I go back through my archives and I find a conversation that I just loved. And I remembered how much I enjoyed talking to that person. And today's guest, Kevin Mullet, was actually one of my very early guests on More Than A Few Words. And I am so delighted to have Kevin back with me today. Hey, Kevin. Hi, Lorraine. I am happy to be here. Kevin, over the years, you have done so many different things in the area of digital marketing. You're always my go-to guy on tools, but I want to know, what are you up to today? So we have transitioned into mostly dealing with multi-location businesses, which would be like dealer networks or franchises. And we concentrate on helping them scale their marketing effort across tens to thousands of locations so that they can get that local visibility that they're after and, uh, you know, some business from it. Awesome. And as they're doing that, there's certainly a lot of content generation involved, giving their multiple locations content. And I really want to focus in on something that you talk about a lot when it comes to content marketing, which is the help philosophy. Yeah, so the help philosophy is just something I came up with as a way uh, of explaining a thought process, which actually started at a Twitter chat uh, many moons ago. It is humanize your message, encourage conversation, listen first, and promote less. And if we break that down, just the, the part that seems to confuse people is the promote less part. And what I mean by that is, is not that you that you can't pitch your product, that you can't ask for the order, that you can't you know put a call to action in there. It's just that that should be the the latter part of it. First, you want to concentrate on the previous three things. Okay, so let's kind of talk through those four points, and we'll close with what every business owner wants to do, which is close the sale. But let's talk about humanizing your message when you're working with companies, what kind of things can they do to humanize the message, to make it feel like it's coming from a person? Well, obviously, there's a lot of different opinions on how you uh, portray yourself as a business, whether that is that you're going for we are the best, the only, etc., which seems to be less humanistic, or that, hey, we can help you with your problem. We can solve the, the uh, problem that you have, and we have the answers, which is more humanistic. So the help philosophy pairs really nicely with the idea that content, to me, should always be seeking to solve people's problems, answer their questions, evoke emotion carefully, and then entertain people in the process if possible. So that humanizing is treating the content how we would like to receive it. And that's generally not in a pitchy and or we're the only one type format. Absolutely. You know, I think about going into a networking event and the people that are at that event pushing their business cards at you and how little time I want to spend with them in the real world when they do that. And I think this idea of humanizing the message 
is really laying down those same ground rules for the online conversation. It's not unlike, I've joked in the past, it's not unlike dating, right? I mean, you know, first (laughs) we have to have a, we have to have a conversation. We're not skipping right from the conversation and the greeting right to other things, right? So with businesses, we want to slow the roll. We just want to have a conversation. So when I'm meeting people for the first time, uh, and this is something, by the way, I, I didn't pioneer. I mean, this has been taught for a long time is, is, well, let's talk about you. What interests you? Well, what do you do? And actually listening to that. So listening to what people are saying. And then I've actually had people at the end of a conversation, their face will go flush and they'll just be like, you know, I'm sorry, what is it that you do? Mm-hmm. And and that's when I know that I've really done it right is that I've, or they have invited me to tell them what I do. And even then I, I present it in a way that is non-pitchy because if there's a fit, that part will fall into line. I don't have to club them over the head. I just need uh, the opportunity and the permission so that there's a lower threshold of pushback. Absolutely. And I think you kind of jumped right into that third point, that idea of listening first. How do you do that online? How do you listen first and actually hear something through all the clutter of social media? I could go into the tools part of it, of course, which there are a plethora of tools. And tools really, for me, are a means to an end. And they they are based on what is your workflow and what is your desired outcome? What are you trying to achieve? And then what budget can you bring to bear for that? So instead of talking about the tools, let's talk about the concept, which is that you actually need to be looking at what is happening in each of the channels in the medium before you just jump in and you start you know, using your bullhorn to push a message out. You actually listen more than you, than you push things out. And that means understanding the audience, which, you know, when you were talking with Barbara last week, you guys touched on our last episode, you touched on that is actually listening. It's not everyone. Mm -hmm. It's, it's your audience. And I had somebody just the other day that said to me, and I listened to them, I listened to them, tell me that everybody was their audience. And I said, well, under 13 year old on social media online has this thing called COPA. And so you can't uh, advertise to them and you can't directly pitch to them. So no, they're not your audience. And oh, by the way, you said everybody, which includes everybody in the world, but you can't sell your product in, in these countries and those countries can't receive your message. So it's not everybody. So anyway, it's about, it's about listening first. And then once you understand somebody and you understand their position, whether that's in written format online or listening to them, then you can present an an honest and a thoughtful response. Absolutely. Most businesses have multiple product offerings and multiple service levels. And you do that because different people are going to be interested in different parts of what you do. And if you just launch into that standard pitch, you may never get around to mentioning the thing that I individually might be most interested in. And so that idea of listening first and really helping you match the piece of what you do to the problem that that person is bringing to the table can be so effective. Absolutely. And with multi-location businesses, it's compounded by different vernacular and different areas that you are serving. So you, you may, in your social media accounts and or your content, you may speak one way 
in the Northeast, and you're going to present something completely different in the Southwest, not just because of geographical or language differences, just because that is that is the human nature. So we talk about content as in the written word, but that's also relevant to the visual. So when mm-hmm. we're when we're creating multi-location social media accounts and or uh, content, or we're doing it for multi-location web at scale, we want to provide imagery on the in, on the websites that matches the market and the audience that they're serving there. So listening includes listening with your eyes, if that if we could <laughs> so name it, is it's actually paying attention to what is the audience in that area really desire. Absolutely. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because so much of what you're talking about, kind of that humanizing message and listening first, really is involved in that planning process that helps you get to messages that will ultimately resonate with your customer. And you guys have got something that you call the content opportunity report that you think people should do before they build out an editorial calendar. And I'd love you to just talk briefly about it and we can share a a link to the tool, but what is a content opportunity report? So I know that you've probably never had this problem happen before, Lorraine, but you know, the client calls you up and says, um, oh yeah, well we had, we saw an increase in our traffic and we can't understand it. And I'm like, okay, well, what happened? And, and they say, oh, well, we had, we were at this conference and we had a booth set up. And then you say to them, well, but you didn't tell me you were doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we, and we have another one coming up next week. Okay, well, folks, why, why do we not have content produced for that? Oh, well, you can throw something up there if you want. So the idea of a content opportunity report was really born selfishly because as an agency and as a company who works with other agencies, you have to rip out of the hands of the uh, the end consumer, or I'm sorry, the end client, um, the, the information about what they're doing with their business. When is a new product going to be released? When are you going to have promotions? When are you going to do a sale? When are you going to promote somebody within the organization? What awards have you won? There's all of these opportunities to write content for. And if you're attending an event, you not only have the event itself, but you have we're going to the event. We are at the event, and this is what happened during the event. So you have three opportunities to create content. But if you are not working with your agency or your internal staff and and creating something ahead of time that says this is all of our opportunity, then how do you effectively prioritize which items should be done? And that is where the little magic comes in with the content opportunity report, because nothing makes it to the editorial calendar until you agree that this opportunity and the channels that it'll go to and the activation process at the end of that is all in alignment. And some Mm -hmm. things, some things make it voted off the calendar because you just don't have the resources, but you've prioritized it now. 
Absolutely. But that also then gives you an an opportunity to look at it and go, oh, this is where we can wrap a promotional message. This is just good information, but this content is really, when we talk about this story, that's going to allow us to then lead into the more promotional messages. So it really allows you to begin looking at all of the things that you can be talking about and kind of putting them into buckets. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, the, the idea is, is where do our opportunities lie? Because a lot of, again, I know that other agencies and other actual entities have had this problem before is we don't know what to write about. Well, mm-hmm. so you could go look at a long list. There's dozens of lists all over the interwebs about the things that you should be writing about. But are you talking about that as it pertains to your particular business, and then what channels are you going to distribute it to, and then what is the desired outcome? What does winning look like by doing that piece of content? And that's what the Content Opportunity Report uh, helps people put together. Fantastic. Kevin, I can't believe that we have just blown through the 10 minutes. I know, right? There's so much that people can learn if they have a chance to listen to you. And I'm going to encourage them to head over to Market Snare to learn more about the kind of things you guys write about and talk about. And we will include a link to the Content Opportunity Report download in the show notes. Absolutely. And I appreciate the time. I would love to leave people with one more thing that I love to talk about. And that is 3550. That's three hours a day, five days a week, 50 weeks out of the year. If you do that, that's 750 hours of personal or professional development time that your peers probably aren't doing. That could be listening to podcasts like this very one right here to improve your position and your mindset. And uh, that's something that I do and I encourage others to do. I hope people will take your advice on that. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you for having me. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, if you'd like to know more about marketing and business tools, be sure to check out our blog at roundpeck.biz. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.